The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. It all comes down to this. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today on a Monday, September 21st. Frank Sample alongside Scott White, and it is Championship Week. How are we looking, Scott? How are things holding up in Tout Wars? Are there any other leagues that you are competing for championships? I need to know. What's going on, Scott? Oh, man. So many leagues I'm competing for championships. But I I am seeing, like, I I tweeted out... uh, on Saturday night, what did you do last night? And I answered my own question, sat around worrying about my dwindling rotisserie leads because that's what's happened. I've been leading in so many leagues all year and now they've either become microscopic or have actually gotten past. In Tout Wars, I got past tonight and obviously still have time to come back, but that is not what you want to see. Uh, how many leagues am I competing for? Hmm. One, two, three, four, five, six. It uh, looks like seven. Seven fantasy baseball leagues. I am right there at the end. Hopefully, I can come away with like three or four championships. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, I, I can come away with seven, Frank. Oh, man. That sounds pretty damn good. That sound, I don't know how many leagues you were in, but I'd imagine that's... A decent ratio, regardless. I mean, to be competing in that many leagues this late in the season. And I mentioned this before. Look, Roto, this year more than ever before, we've talked about this enough at this point. It's a crazy season. But for Roto specifically, because we're only two months in, like you still have these dramatic shifts in the standings. So this year more than ever before, the final day of the baseball season is going to be so important for those Roto leagues. It is it's going to be crazy. I'm rooting for you, Scott. I want you to take home Tout Wars. That would be awesome. Uh, I am... Well, well, you're in the championship game in the podcast for the People League. That so. is correct. Very public there, Frank. I'm trying. Trying to take it home. <laughs> I got bounced in the semifinals of the Podcast Listeners League, the 12-team head-to-head points league. Shout out to Dan Zumo. He took me out. Dylan Cease with his seven walks. Boom. Did not help me. But regardless... Doesn't matter. Enough of us. It's about you, the people. We're going to try to help you win your championships. Today on the show, we have the Startometer for fringy starting pitchers. I have scheduling updates. Well, not really me. Scott has scheduling updates for you. And then, of course, your start and sit questions and some review from the weekend, which you know might actually affect who you are starting in the final week of the season. But let's get things started with a weekend standout. Oh, my good gracious all right scott where do we want to go positive negative big game bad game get us started oh my goodness gracious um i don't know um you know what mitch keller mitch keller was interesting i don't think it really affects you for the final week of the season uh but it was very encouraging heading into another draft prep season for a guy we liked a lot as a sleeper. I think, I think universally we liked Mitch Keller, what he did with the slider last year, even though the ERA was over seven in the majors, some impressive underlying stats, six, no hit innings on Saturday. Uh, got 10 swinging strikes on 84 pitches, five on the slider. And 
it, since it, the, his last two starts, since returning from the IL, his velocity has been back. Remember the first start of the season, or I don't even I don't even remember how many starts he made at the beginning of the season before going on the IL. The velocity just wasn't the same, and it's been the same the past two starts. And we saw, uh, really, the clearest demonstration of his upside on Saturday. So that was encouraging. So there's nothing we can do with that. He's. 36% rostered, but maybe you feel a little iffy. You don't know if you want to get him in your lineup when it matters most. It is a good matchup. He's at Cleveland in the final week of the season, a team that we've picked on all season long, but you're telling people probably shouldn't start Mitch Keller. No, no, I would not. I have a lot of pitchers I would recommend starting, but he would not be among them. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, is there any format, like, 15-team leagues or deeper that we can get Mitch Keller in there? Or not even there? I mean, I wouldn't if... How how, how rostered did you say he is? 36%. So less than that is Chris Bubich, and I'd go after that if you're looking for... You know, if you're having to reach for a sleeper, I think he's around 20% rostered. And he... You know, he, he had five and a third one-hit innings himself over the weekend. Actually, uh, was not the winner in that game. I think he took... Did he take the loss? I'm not sure. Because he had, had zero unearned runs. So probably not. Seven strikeouts, 12 whiffs. And he actually has a 13% cent swinging strike rate in his last four starts. The change of that was so, so such a key for him breaking out in the minor leagues last year. He's really taken off over his past four starts. A 199 ERA during that stretch. And um, I believe his matchup is against the Tigers. Yes. So Chris Bubich, if you're looking... If you're having to dig deep for a starter sleeper, I, I actually like him a lot this week. Well, Scott, what if I told you this? That the Detroit Tigers have actually been fantastic against left-handed pitching this year. They are second in baseball in weighted on-base average and in OPS against lefties. Does that change your mind? Not really, no. Um, I just don't think among available pitchers you're going to find... You know, if you're looking for a one-start option, really, and, and among pitchers that available, because he's highly, highly available, I don't think you're going to find a more interesting pickup for this final week. And those are two examples of names that I have on the startometer for later on. So sounds like uh, it's going to be close to a one for Mitch Keller, at least for Scott, and a little bit higher there for Chris Bubich. But we'll get to some of those names. Patrick Corbin, Scott. I want to talk about Patrick Corbin because. You know what's so funny about the oh my goodness gracious? Like when it, sometimes when I see some of these final lines, that is actually what I say out loud. And it's like, I don't know if it's just I built it into my subconscious just to say it all the time now, but I actually said it when I saw Patrick Corbin's line on Saturday because it was quite bad and pretty good matchup on paper. He was at the Marlins and six innings pitched, 14 hits for Patrick Corbin. Seven earned runs, zero walks, seven strikeouts. The ERA is up to 4.76 on the season for Corbin. The whip is at 1.53. Scott, what is going on with Patrick Corbin, and can you trust him in the final week of the season going up against the Mets? He has started in 74% of CBS leagues right now. I really wouldn't want to have to trust him. I mean, at this point, the 476 ERA, 153 whip, they, they kind of speak for themselves. I mean, if you're looking for a reason to be encouraged, his 399 XFIP really isn't so bad. It was 359 last year by comparison, um, which is probably worse than you thought it was. 399 this year. But he hasn't hit, like his velocity's been down all year by a couple miles per hour. And although he was able to navigate it okay at first, um, there have been more misses than hits lately. And. Yeah, I just I don't think it's I don't think it's worth it. I don't I don't feel confident he's the same guy that he was when you drafted him, which you know would would be different if it was I don't know who who had a bad start last time, but it's really high end. Like Aaron Nola, was he bad last time? I can't even remember. He's had yeah. some bad starts recently. Let's just say hypothetically, Aaron Nola. It'd be different if it was him doing this. Who I think is <laughs> you know if anything gotten better since you drafted him. I think I just breathed in a bug. Oh, <laughs> I was trying to swat it away. Wow. You got to get anyway. your protein in, Scott. <laughs> You're yeah. right. 
I think so. If you're watching us live on our YouTube channel, <laughs> youtube.com slash fantasy baseball today. Scott White is struggling. Ugh. I don't know where it is now. It's somewhere. It's it's a part of me now. <laughs> oh man. No, I agree though. On Corbin, I, I'm definitely worried. I don't I don't see how you could trust him in the final week of the season. Fastball velocity is down to 90.1 miles per hour. That's a career low for Patrick Corbin. Swinging strike rate is down almost 3% this season as well. So worried about Corbin. Don't think I want to start him. Final week of the season. Speaking of the final week, Scott, do we have any scheduling updates? Are you right? Yeah, I, I, sure I don't know if I want to throw it your way if, you, if you're still struggling. Well, it's gone now. Um, okay, so scheduling updates. Uh, yeah, there was a doubleheader added. It was one that I talked about previously, but we didn't talk about it on Friday's show. Uh, the possibility of San Diego, San Francisco having a makeup game added, and they did. They have a doubleheader Friday now, so San Diego goes from five games to six, San Francisco from seven to eight. That leaves just one team with five games, the Minnesota Twins. And that makes one of my favorite sleeper hitters for this week even more attractive, Brandon Belt, with the Giants at home for most of the week and now having eight game weeks, only one left-hander on the schedule. Brandon Belt's been cold recently, so he's still rostered in less than 40% of leagues, but his OPS is just below 1,000 for the year. And I think, I, think, uh, I think he's primed to come roaring back this week. And we don't have any updates on the Cardinals yet, right? Because I believe as of now, they're scheduled for 58 games, and there is a chance that there will be a doubleheader added the Monday after the season is supposed to end. Yeah, but, Cardinals and, and Tigers. Yeah. It depends on whether those games would impact the playoff picture or not, and there's no way of knowing at this point. It'll be kind of a last-minute thing. Mm. All right, so keep that in mind again, because you might think that you won you won your championship on Sunday, and then boom, it comes out that there's a doubleheader on Monday. So just keep that in mind. I said that I was going to find out, but honestly, there's no way for me to know in, until it's announced by baseball or announced by the Cardinals or the Tigers. So as soon as we get that information, we will relay it to you. Some news and notes. Jacob, Jacob deGrom threw a side session on Saturday and is on track to make his regularly scheduled start on Monday, which means he'll be a two-star pitcher. I assume we're getting him in there, Scott. No worry about deGrom. I am not worried about him. I actually started him in my most important league. I started him, uh, well, never mind. That'll sound weird. The, the lineup's locked before Monday. It was a 10-day scoring period, so that's why I'm saying I already did it past tense. I started him over the two-start Lance McCullers we were so excited about with his matchups against the uh, the the Mariners and the, the Rangers. Those are McCullers matchups, and I started DeGrom over him. Hard to argue with that. Best pitcher in baseball, Jacob DeGrom. And one of the best pitchers in baseball the past couple of seasons has been Justin Verlander. And after trying to rehab and return this season, it turns out that Verlander will undergo Tommy John surgery. That came out this weekend. He turns 38 years old in February. Scott, do you think we see Verlander at all in 2021? I'd be surprised. Uh, he is... Is he with the? He's under contract with the Astros next season, right? So it's possible. It's possible he comes back late in the year if it's you know if they're in the playoff race and maybe he can contribute in the postseason. But I would not bet on it. Um, you know that would be a quicker than usual return from Tommy John surgery. So more likely the next time we'll see Verlander is as a 39 year old in 20. 22 coming off two consecutive lost seasons. So I, I hope not, but I, it's, it's reasonable to think we've seen the last of him as a real asset in fantasy. Now, like he's, he's sustained his velocity so well over his career that I wouldn't rule out him having like a Nolan Ryan, like late career where he's still dominating into his forties, but um, you know, it's obviously hard to say at this point. Man, this is kind of like a death sentence for his dynasty value, right, Scott? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. And there's nothing you could do. I mean, 
I don't think you should try and trade for him. I mean, you get him on, you know, super cheap, but it doesn't even make sense. He's so yeah, old. Well, you have to wait so long for him to come back. And, and some of those dynasty leagues where, you know, you keep a player relative to the value of where you drafted him or what he, you, you purchased him for, um, you know, maybe somebody will get him for really cheap next year mm-hmm. and want to stash him. Like I could see that happening with Verlander, but that's, that's really the only, only, uh, only situation where I could see him being kept in a dynasty league. It's more talking about going from 2021 to 2022. No, that's a really good point and something to keep in mind heading into next year and write it down somewhere. Remind people to do that throughout draft season. Scott Garrett Crochet, who was selected in this year's draft, this year's MLB draft 2020, was called up and made his debut for the White Sox this weekend. He pitched two innings in relief with two strikeouts. He is 5% rostered. Does this matter at all for this season? Or is he a name that you would be looking to add in keeper dynasty leagues for next season? I would not expect him to be of much help this season because he's working out of the bullpen. Hopefully he makes a strong impression though, to put himself in the mix for a rotation spot. I mean, I don't, obviously I don't have minor league numbers to go off of. I, I, um, I, I got excited about his potential uh, reading up on him around draft time when he was taken, like he was the one player who uh, I thought maybe I was higher on than the consensus Garrett Crochet. Um, so obviously it's exciting that he's up already and maybe he could follow the, the Chris sale path of starting out as a reliever and then joining a ro- the rotation. Let's see. Chris sale got like, a late season stint in the bullpen and then a full season stint in the bullpen. And then he became a starter and became awesome right away. Uh, yeah. I mean, crochet looks like a guy who could have a lot of strikeout potential. He needs to flesh out his arsenal a little more, but he's someone to watch down the stretch and we'll see. We'll see what the reports are on him heading into next season. Garrett crochet is 21 years old, big lefty six foot six. They give his fastball a 65 According to the scouting grades, I read somewhere that he hit like 101.6 miles per hour on a fastball over the weekend. So, yeah, definitely a name to pay attention to. Lots of upside there with Garrett Crochet. JT Real Muto dealing with that hip issue won't be ready to catch on Monday. It's unclear whether he'll be able to serve as the designated hitter. So this is a rough situation. Comes at a terrible time. But even in one catcher leagues, you have to have a backup ready now. Um for the final week of the season. I don't know that we're going to see JT Real Muto. I don't know that we're going to see Bryce Harper, who left Sunday's game with lower back discomfort. The Phillies play Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern time, so keep that in mind for both of those hitters. Nolan Arenado is undergoing tests on a sore left shoulder Sunday and could miss the rest of the 2020 season. Manager Bud Black said the team should have more information on Monday, so another situation to monitor for Nolan Arenado. Tim Anderson exited Sunday's game against the Reds with a right hamstring cramp. The White Sox play Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. You wouldn't know it, but apparently Luke Voigt has been managing foot pain for quite some time. The Yankees and Voigt have been uh, vague about the exact nature of this condition, simply referring to it as, quote, foot stuff. He hit his 21st home run on Sunday. <laughs> Foot stuff. Huh? Foot stuff. I, okay. I, I, just, I, I would recommend not Googling that. <laughs> hey, man, don't kill the messenger. I just <laughs> I just write down the reports. Nelson Cruz was scratched Saturday with, with knee soreness. He was out of the lineup Sunday as well. The Twins do not play until Tuesday at 7.40 p.m. Eastern time and only have five games this week. Scott, what do we do with Nelson Cruz? Yeah, that's that's actually a really good question. I only have him in one league. Um, I am leaning towards sitting him for the championship game. This it's the one team playing five games, and you know you don't know how many of those games Cruz is going to be a part of. So obviously, it depends on who you can slot in instead. I have some. It's 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 a league on the shallower end of the spectrum, so I have some pretty good alternatives. Of course, I'd rather it be Nelson Cruz, but I just don't think I can trust it considering. Mike Clevenger was slated to start Saturday against the Mariners, but he was scratched ahead of the outing with right bicep soreness. As of now, Clevenger is expected to make a start on Wednesday against the Angels. Scott, would you start Mike Clevenger there? I w- probably would do that. Yes, it's 
It's another situation where it would depend what else I had, but probably would. Tommy Pham returned from the IL on Friday, going two for seven in two games and then sat out Sunday. The Padres play six games this week. Start Tommy Pham, Scott? I could see doing it in like a five outfielder league, but it's not a it's not a high priority to get him in the lineup. Aaron Boone indicated Saturday that Aroldis Chapman could have a second hearing of the appeal. Remember, he's dealing with a uh, potential suspension, so that will delay it. It could potentially delay it until next season, so that's good news for if you're an Aroldis Chapman manager in fantasy, you could potentially just have him for all the rest of the Yankees games this upcoming week. Dylan Carlson is back with the Cardinals. He had three hits over the weekend, including a three-run home run. On Friday, he is 35% rostered, and the Cardinals play seven games this week. Scott, any interest in Dylan Carlson? He's back. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no, he has a lot to prove at this point. They are playing eight games this week, but no. Sonny Gray will return to the Reds' rotation on Tuesday against the Brewers. Would you start Sonny Gray? So I don't think it's automatic. Obviously, his last two starts before going on the IL were pretty, pretty bad. Uh, I added him to the two-start pitcher rankings. I did not add him to the must-start section. I added him to the second section, which was still you know, recommended starters. I imagine, I imagine most people... Uh, won't have enough high quality alternatives to sit on. But you know, if you're in your championship game, that probably means you do have a good, lot of good pitching options. So um, yeah, it, it, it just depends. It, it, like in a Roto league, it depends what you need more to the, the, the wins and strikeouts are they protecting the ERA and whip. That's I, I actually have Sonny Gray and tout wars and I'm, I'm thinking of sitting him in in that 15-team league, just looking at where I am in those categories where I have more ground I could lose and whip than I can in wins and strikeouts. Giovanni Gallegos threw a bullpen session on Saturday for the Cardinals and is expected to rejoin the team early in the upcoming week against the Royals. He is 54% rostered. Scott, do you think if Gallegos returns early in the week that he's automatically slotted back in as their closer? I, I would not assume that. It's certainly possible. I'd, I'd plan on sitting him. Eric Hosmer returned on Saturday. He went one for eight over the previous two games. How imperative is it for people to get Eric Hosmer in their lineup, Scott? I would say not imperative. Fair enough. Mike Yastrzemski <laughs> remained out of the lineup on Sunday with that calf injury. and He left Thursday's game and has not f- seen the field since. Yeah, they're not really uh they're not really lending a voice to when he's coming back either, right? I've seen nothing regarding this, no information. So it, yeah, it's it's very vague right now with Kuschremski. Yeah, I mean I I like the schedule for the Giants this week than playing 8 games, but that seems too risky if you can if you can help it. Speaking of starting and sitting, Scott, the startometer, the championship startometer. It all comes down to this. Are you ready? And we haven't calibrated the startometer, Scott, but let's just assume 10 is like absolute must start. This person has to be in your lineup. And a one would be kind of what you said about Mitch Keller earlier, where there you, there's no league where you can really envision yourself starting said player. Okay. Sandy Alcantara, it was pretty good this weekend again uh, against the Nationals on Sunday. Six innings of one run ball. He has allowed three earned runs or less in five of his past six starts. The problem for Sandy Alcantara is that he is at the Yankees this week, Scott. They are hot, hot, hot. Hot Yankees. Um, what what did you say a 10 was again? A 10 is like an absolute must start. Yeah. So Alcantara with that matchup and only one start week, I will go. I'll go. I'll go with a six there. Six against the Yankees, huh? Yeah, I mean, you know, that, that means slightly more than half of the people who have him are starting him, right? Isn't that the idea? Yeah. I was thinking like three. <laughs> I'm pretty scared by the matchup. Wow. But okay. uh, he, has I, been, he has been pretty good. He has been. He has been. Uh, I have a lot of confidence at the pitcher at this point, but I hear you. Certainly I'm not saying, uh, you know, six means it's far from automatic. Jose Urquidy. Someone who's also pitched pretty well recently. 
He was up against the Arizona Diamondbacks on Sunday, allowed two earned runs over six innings, only two strikeouts, so that is down from where it was in his last start. Nine swinging strikes on 90 pitches for Jose Arquiti. Three straight quality starts for him. He is at Texas this week. Now that's a great matchup, and yes, his last three starts have been very good, though two of them, the strikeouts have been absent, which is a little worrisome. I think I go... 7.5 for Urquidy. That's a strong number. I was thinking 8. Really like the start this week. The Rangers are a team that we've picked on pretty much all season long. The Tigers are also a team that we have picked on all season long. Mostly for right-handed pitchers. And Brad Keller, who we mentioned on Friday's podcast, is going up against the Tigers this week. He was at the Brewers on Sunday, but was not very good. Five innings pitched, five earned runs. The ERA even after... This most recent start is 2.77 for Brad Keller against the Tigers this week. What do you think, Scott? I'm actually going to go five there, even lower than Alcantara. I mean, it depends. It depends what you need, but you know what? It doesn't even depend what you need because he's not going to give you strikeouts. That's that's kind of the whole point of getting at. Since that first start, Brad Keller, his K per nine is below five since his first start of the season where I think he had seven Ks in five innings, it's below five. He's Yikes. a pretty good innings eater. And, uh, you know, I think he's, like, in a real-life sense, I think he's a solid pitcher. Somebody, uh, you know, his talents maybe lend themselves more to a, a points league, and that's that's the format where I could see you using him more. But even there, with a one-star week, you know, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a high-priority play. Somebody who Scott has not really been excited about this season... And maybe for good reason. It's Taiwan Walker. He was at the Phillies on Sunday. Looked pretty good, though. Nice bounce-back performance. Six innings of one-run ball. Eight strikeouts. He is at home against the Baltimore Orioles this week. What do you think about that, Scott? Three. Hard to argue. He has been inconsistent, and his two previous starts before this most recent outing were pretty bad. So, Taiwan Walker, get away from him. How about Tony Gonsolin, who was at Coors Field on Sunday and had 10 strikeouts over five innings allowed just two runs, 19 swinging strikes on 82 pitches. He is going up against the angels at home this week. Yeah. I Gonsolin remember his, his caper nine had dropped below eight after that last start. And it was weird because the swinging strike rate was great. And I was kind of like, yeah, I think, I think Gonsolin's good. I'm not going to worry about it. Well, it's it's almost at one per inning now, again, after getting 10 and five innings. It's how quickly things can change with this small sample still. I'll go six. I'll go the same as Sandy Alcantara. I brought up the name on Friday. I got to do it again, Scott. And that's Jack Flaherty, who was amazing against the Pirates on Sunday. 10 strikeouts over six innings, 21 swinging strikes, but he is in the dreaded Miller Park where he has struggled before. What do you think? Still going, I'm going 10. 10, going Jack 10. Flaherty, must can't, start. Can't can't imagine sitting him, sorry. Well, what about the person who was on the other side in that game? Joe Musgrove. Very complicated relationship. People know what I've gone through with Joe Musgrove at this point. And 56% rostered, six shutout on Sunday, 11 strikeouts. 18 swinging strikes, 9 on the slider. His four-seam fastball averaged 93.7 miles per hour in this start, and that was part of the reason why I was so excited over Joe Musgrove heading into the season. When he's hitting 93-94 with the fastball, and he's using all his secondary pitches, and they're on like they were in this one, this is the type of upside that you can get. He is at Cleveland this week. Yeah, he's. I, I've been really impressed with him since he came back. Obviously, uh, this the actual stat line. This is by far the best. I I think in terms of starting him though, it'd still only be like a five, in a one start week. Um, yeah, I'd rather start Alcantara. I'd rather start Gonsolin. So I'm gonna go five. It's hard for me to argue because it it just strikes me as one of these things too, where when you need Musgrove to come through for you most, <laughs> that is when he lets you down. I've, look. I've, I've had this guy for like the past five years on my team, and it never fails. Kevin Gosman is at home in Oracle against the Rockies this week. He returned on Saturday and allowed just one hit, one earned, three walks, six strikeouts, over six innings. What do you think about Gosman? Gosman uh, at 
home against the Rockies. I think Gosman has had the most quietly impressive season of any pitcher this this year. Um, I mean, he's he has a 108 whip, 11.6 K per nine. Getting whiffs like a stud, like this is this is the Kevin version of Kez, Kevin Gosman we've dreamed about for like <laughs> seven years at this point. Um, and a home start against an offense that's bad on the road. I, I mean, that's I think that's probably like a six two. That's pretty usable. Yeah, look, he was fantastic here against Oakland. So. It's a good spot. It's a good spot for Kevin Gosman. The Rockies, of course, uh, could be without Nolan Arenado as well. Big bounce back game for Jesus Lazardo this weekend. He was on the other side of this game. He was going up against the Giants. Six shutout, five hits, zero walks, seven strikeouts, 15 swing strikes on 90 pitches for Lazardo. He is going up against the Mariners this week, Scott. Yeah, that's probably like a nine considering the matchup. Oh, yeah. Fantastic matchup. We pick on the Mariners, too. How about Vince Velasquez, who was very solid on Saturday against the Blue Jays. Six innings, one run, six strikeouts. Only 19% rostered. He is at Tampa Bay this week. Yeah, not nearly enough good there, and obviously that's a tough matchup, so that's that's probably like a one. Somebody who we were excited about for a long time has slowed down a little bit. Tristan McKenzie is going up against the White Sox this week. On Saturday, he allowed one run, only lasted four innings, and he has gone just uh, eight and a third over his last two starts again. That is Tristan McKenzie this week going up against the White Sox. And three straight five innings or less for McKenzie. So he's he's beginning some early hooks here. I think that's a five. I, I actually feel, I, I think the White Sox rank pretty high in run scored. I mean, they're first place team, but... They've still, I feel like they've still led to some really good pitching performances just because they swing and miss so much. And uh, I'm not, you know, I'm only giving him a five. I'm only giving McKenzie a five, but I'm not saying he's must sit. Yeah, I think that's right in the middle there. Four or five, I think that makes sense for uh, Tristan McKenzie. How about Pablo Lopez, who solid over the weekend again, two earned, five and a third, seven strikeouts against the Nationals. But... But he is at the Braves this week, Scott. And we remember what happened last time Pablo Lopez went up against the Braves. He allowed seven runs in less than two innings pitched. What do you think about and, that matchup? And they they went on to score 29 in that game. <laughs> uh, four. Yeah. It's hard to argue. Hard to argue with that uh, with Pablo Lopez. Mitch Keller, we already went over. How about Ian Anderson, Scott? He was... At the Mets over the weekend, and he allowed three runs over four and two thirds, four walks, eight strikeouts. This is a little bit what we were worried about when he got called up. And we didn't see it at first, but now it seems like the control is starting to, he's starting to lose it a little bit here. He has 11 walks over his last three starts again. That's Ian Anderson going up against the Red Sox this week. Yeah, but that's, that's the only way. He's losing it. He's he's been very impressive otherwise. I think the matchup is fine. I'll give Ian Anderson a seven. Mm. Okay. Dallas Keiko over to turn this weekend, Scott. And four shutouts, seven strikeouts. Got the pitch count up to 75. He is at Cleveland. Confidence in Keiko. That's that's probably like a seven, too. How about this? Is crazy. Jay Happ was Amazing over the weekend. On Saturday, eight shutout, four hits, zero walks, nine strikeouts, 19 swinging strikes on 113 pitches. J-Hap's last six starts, 1.93 ERA, 3.06 XFIP, 0.86 whip. He's going up against the Marlins this week. Scott, dare I say it, can J-Hap be a league winner? Uh, I mean, I'd only put it... At, at most, I'd give it a five. This has been the most difficult pitcher to figure out for maybe his entire career since he came up, guy in his mid-20s, second place in rookie of the year voting. Where did he come from? And it's just been a lot of... a, a lot, Many instances of you thinking he was done, many instances of you thinking he was some kind of stud, 
and neither for long, keeping neither condition for long. So I, I'd be, I think, I think it's natural to be wary of him and I'd only put it at like five. I mean, it's a small sample. I get it. But past six starts for Hap have been fantastic. He's, he's not walking anyone who, which I think has been a huge key for him, but yeah. But other than this start, he wasn't, he, I think he had like 19 whiffs in the start over the weekend, but Mm. like that, hadn't that rate hadn't been good in this that stretch prior to this most recent start so i'm not i don't really understand what's the cause of the turnaround it's been it was it was sudden and you know it's been a handful of starts now but like i said we've seen these kind of stuff from him before um i don't know i'm well i'd be a little worried about it i know fangraphs has had throwing a splitter this year according to his pitch mix that he's never used before baseball savant did not have a splitter for him they had a change up so it might be like a split change but fangraph says 16 percent of the time he's using it this season and it's a pitch he's never thrown before so could be some kind of you know iteration of a change up a split change but i tried to yeah. research it i couldn't really find any information on it so that might be what's fueling j hat but just Keep that in mind. I don't yeah, think it's I mean, a, that's, I, that's about how often he's thrown his changeup, according to Brooks Baseball. They don't have him throwing a splitter either. So I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Alec Mills, Scott, we said we wanted to see what he did over the weekend uh, to figure out whether or not we should get him in our lineups for championship week. He was against the Twins on Saturday. I would say he held his own, four earned over six innings with seven strikeouts. He's at, at Pittsburgh this week. Yeah, I'll give it a five. Very Brad Keller-like. Justice Sheffield was up against the Padres on Saturday. Very sneaky, under the radar. You know, not the same level as Gosman, but I feel like we haven't talked about Sheffield in a while, and he's, he's been pretty good. Six innings, one run, five strikeouts in this game against the Padres. Great lineup. He now has a quality start in six of his last seven. Justice Sheffield at Oakland in the final week of the season. Uh, probably like a... Like a four. Um, if it was a better matchup, it'd be different. If you had a better supporting cast, it'd be different. I'd, I'd only give him like a four, though. Mm, it hurts my heart, Scott. Just Sheffield. Just... What would you give him? You're allowed to give a number. Uh, no, nah, I mean, based on everything else that you've given out so far, I feel like that is probably a fair range that he should be. It, it comes down to the matchup. If it, were, if it was a better matchup, then I would feel it's... better about it, but... It's mostly four, fives, and sixes, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's mostly what I've been in. Everybody's kind of right in the middle. Uh, how about Andrew Heaney? Might be right in the middle as well. He was up against the Rangers on Saturday. Six and two-thirds, three earned, eight strikeouts, 17 swinging strikes, has now allowed three runs or less in five straight, but he's at the Dodgers this week. Yeah, and he's had some good home run luck, I feel like, this season. Not really any better in terms of limiting fly balls and yet has not allowed many home runs. Uh, definitely a change from last year. I, I would not would not be so inclined to trust him against that lineup. That's probably like a four as well. Zach Greinke's last six starts, including Friday's outing against the Diamondbacks, he has a 5.73 ERA during that span. 3.24 xFIP, so... Seems like he's been a little bit unlucky. A 1.24 whip. He is at Seattle this week. Who is this? Zach Greinke. Zach Greinke. Yeah, I'm not messing around with Zach Greinke. That's a 10. Makes sense, especially with the matchup. Rich Hill. Gave you a little length here over the weekend. We're not used to seeing that from Rich Hill. Seven innings, five strikeouts, one earned run. His longest start of the season. He is up against the Reds in the final week. A team that is 24th in weighted on base average against lefties. Uh, I'm sorry. I've lost my place in the Dylan Cease, you said? No, Rich Hill against the Rich Reds. Hill. Okay, Rich Hill. Yeah, uh, he's actually in my 10 sleeper pitchers for this week. I would give that a 6. Mm. 6.5. Chris Bassett, Scott, someone I know who you haven't felt great, great about him all season. He's allowed just one earned run over his last three starts, and he's going up against the Mariners in the final week. <sighs> yeah, I don't love him. That's a good matchup, obviously. I'll, I'll go five. Sixto Sanchez had his regression game 
at the worst time, Scott. Semifinals. Everything on the line in fantasy baseball. Sixto Sanchez allowed five runs over four innings. His first bad start of the season. And in the last week, he's going up against your Braves in Atlanta. Tough matchup, of course. He did great against them his first time out. I, I think I'm going seven here. I know I'm planning to start him over Gonsolin and uh, a couple others we mentioned, McKenzie in a league where I have all of them. So I'll, I, I think to, to be consistent, I'll go seven on Sixto Sanchez. All right, so it sounds like we're getting Sixto back in there compared to a lot of these other names I mentioned. What about Davey Garcia? Yikes, all came crashing down on Sunday where he allowed six runs over three innings. Solid matchup against the Marlins. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, his velocity was down a couple miles per hour in this one, and he barely used his curveball. I don't know what was going on. It was a little strange. I think uh, I think you got the two-start week out of him. Obviously, it didn't, didn't go as well as you wanted. But with just one start coming up next week, probably play it safe and call it a call it a five. Last but not least, gotta save the best for last. The guy who single hand not no nah, not single handedly, but prevented me from making it to the finals in the podcast league. Dylan Cease, he was at the Reds on Sunday. Look at this line: three innings, zero hits, three runs, seven walks, five strikeouts. He's going up against the Cubs this week. Uh, yeah, don't start him. <laughs> like his last two starts, it combined 11 walks, right? His whip is up to, uh, man, it's, it, the whip is super high. Uh, I've lost it in my notes here, but it's, it's like up near one five, even though he has a sub four ERA and we haven't really been, we haven't really trusted the skills all season. Just he, he kept thriving with good matchups. 1.38 is the whip now. No, no, that was before today's start. I don't know. The whip's high. Yeah. <laughs> don't start Dylan Cease. It's, uh, it's a three. All right. We're going to hit a break. But first, I will just give a little shout out to everybody again who has been leaving five-star Apple podcast rating and reviews. We really appreciate that. Uh, people have left a few questions. We'll get to those over the next couple of days. A lot to get to still here on the podcast. So I don't want to bog us down with some keeper questions. But we will get to these over the next couple of days. And a user named... RKTX0152 complained about my Yankees gloating. It probably was a little bit excessive. So You were asking for it. Like you were literally asking. For no, it. I was. I was. I, I was being a jerk. Yeah. But uh, it's 143 is Dylan Cease's whip. Ugh. Closure. All right. Here. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, to quote the Chappelle show, I'm sorry. I was having too much fun. But yes, apologies for me doing what I was doing with the Yankees. They came crashing back down to earth, as I mentioned on Sunday. And so I guess they deserved it, and so did I. All right, when we come back, we are going to hit on a few other things that happened over the weekend. We will answer your questions here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Is there anything to see here with some of these deeper names that stood out from the weekend? I would be remiss not to mention John Means. Wow, what is going on? He was going up against the Tampa Bay Rays on Sunday. Five and two-thirds, one earned, 12 strikeouts, 20 swinging strikes on 97 pitches, including 16 on the fastball. The velocity on that pitch is way up this year. It was 91.8 miles per hour on average. 
in 2019. John Means fastball this year is up to 93.9. Anything to see here, Scott, with John Means? Well, just the fact that his fastball velocity is up so much this year. Uh, three starts in a row now where the swing strikes have been way up, 14 or higher. And uh, it was over 20 in this most recent start, right? Him getting the 12 strikeouts. So I, I don't know if he's unlocked a new level of potential with this fastball velocity. This is the first game that we saw those swingy strikes translate to strikeouts. But, you know, three good starts in a row, just in terms of limiting runs. Um, no way I'm trusting him in the last week or anything, but it's, it's, it's interesting. He, there may be more here than we thought. Yeah, I keep it in mind, you know, heading into next year, we'll, if we get some velocity readings during spring training, this is definitely a, a storyline to remember for John Means. A few other names, some deeper league pitchers. Tanner Houck, I brought up the name last week. He was good again against the Yankees. Six innings, one run, four strikeouts. Uh, Rick Porcello as well. He went up against the Braves on Sunday, had 10 strikeouts over seven innings pitch, allowed just one run. He did that all with just eight swinging strikes, so it seems a little bit fluky there for Rick Porcello. On the other side, Kyle Wright was at the Mets. Six shutout, six strikeouts, 13 swinging strikes on 98 pitches. And David Peterson on Saturday against the Braves. 10 strikeouts, so that's back-to-back starts for Mets pitchers. Double-digit strikeouts against the Braves. David Peterson, six innings, one run. The ERA is down to 3.80. The whip is 1.29. It's got anything to see here. Tanner Houck, Rick Porcello, Kyle Wright, David Peterson. Well, as impressive as that start was for Peterson, I think I think the one that means the most to me is Kyle Wright because we know how high-end of a prospect he, he was. I guess still is. He probably exhausted rookie eligibility at this point, but obviously uh, still very early in his career. And his last start was solid. It was, I think it was his first win ever. Uh, and this was his second one, obviously. Uh, I, I actually watched this start, and there was just tons of movement on all the pitches. He throws five pitches, and those 13 swinging strikes were pretty well distributed among them. I don't know whether to take that as a good sign or a bad sign because he doesn't, I don't know that he has that put away pitch, but he has been leaning on the, the curveball a lot more recently. And maybe that's, I don't know, it, maybe it's just a command thing. Maybe he's just um, figured out how to locate all his pitches better because that had been a problem for him in the past. And so we're seeing the talent play up. It's, it's too early to say, but um you know, obviously it's too early to give up on his potential too. Kyle Wright, 15% roster. He's going up against the Red Sox this week. Even in deeper leagues, I don't think that I can get behind it or condone no. starting Kyle Wright, but, you know, Scott, you're right. I mean, he has a lot of pitches. I know that that's something that has uh, been a negative for him in the past because he hasn't been able to, like, control where those pitches are going half the time, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he can, you know, carry over any of this success heading into next season. Some deeper league hitters that you could look for in some AL or NL only leagues or potentially some deeper points or roto leagues. Dan Vogelbach had a double dong on Sunday, did not play Friday and Saturday, but he's been pretty hot with the Brewers so far. He is 9% rostered and the Brewers play eight games this upcoming week. Josh Fuentes with the Colorado Rockies had three hits, three RBI, two runs scored on Sunday. He now has 13 hits over his last nine games. The Rockies also play eight games this week. Fuentes, a career 291 hitter in the minors. Not much power there, but again, just deeper leagues. Darren Ruff and Brandon Crawford had two hits and four RBI each on Sunday. And the Giants play eight games this week as well. Uh, Rugnet Odor has homered in back-to-back games and five times in his last eight. The Rangers play seven games. And then Luis Garcia, the second baseman for the Nationals, not the pitcher for the Houston Astros. The second baseman for the Nationals. He is hot. He has 12 hits over his last six games. Luis Garcia, 17% rostered, and the Nationals play eight games as well this week. Some bullpen notes. Cesar Valdez picked up the save for the Orioles on Sunday and has the last two saves for Baltimore. 1% rostered. Do we we think Cesar Valdez is the guy for Baltimore? Well, I'm surprised you said... 
you say he has the last two saves for Baltimore because I looked to see when his other save came and it was like the first week of September. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess they haven't been getting many save chances. No. Um, so no, that's not that's not of much interest to me. I don't I don't even think it you can assuming they have a save chance this upcoming week, I don't think you can trust it'll go to him. Anthony Bass picked up the save for the Blue Jays on Sunday with Rafael Dolis banged up. Anthony Bass is 28% rostered. Again, this is just, you're really desperate for saves. You're, you know, trying to find anything you can right now. I, I mean, Stefan Crichton's still rostered in only 15% of leagues. So that would be, that would be the easy pickup because uh, the Diamondbacks play six games in five days. They have a doubleheader. So it could be a, could be a fuller schedule, but it wouldn't surprise me if Crichton got a couple saves this week. Daniel Bard entered Sunday's game for the Rockies in the top of the eighth with a 6-1 to lead. He had runners on first and second. He walked one and then got out of it. He ran into some trouble in the ninth. He allowed two runs. Michael Givens recorded the final out for the save, but I would assume that this is still Daniel Bard's job. Uh, Andrew Miller picked up a save for the Cardinals on Sunday. He is only 14% rostered, but I mentioned Giovanni Gallegos is getting ready to return in the final week, so seems like that's going to be kind of a uh, a rough situation. Just not going to know what's going to happen with the Cardinals over this final week of the season. But if you're desperate, Andrew Miller, just 14% rostered. And then Ryan Sheriff. Ryan Sheriff. He picked up the save for the Rays on Friday. Now, is that a real reliever, Scott? Or is that one of our listeners? What do you think? There's a new Sheriff in town. It's a real reliever. But I don't think he's the closer. I don't think... Where does Tampa not really Bay, a new sheriff. Where does Tampa Bay find these guys? It's, like, it's crazy. It's just, oh my gosh. I, yeah, you're right. I'd never heard of him before tonight. <laughs> no idea. All right, we'll answer some of your questions here. Some start or sit for the championship week. And if we don't get to your question here, then you'll be hearing from me. I will, I will for the rest of the night, after we finish the podcast here and after I edit it, I will answer your start and sit questions. So just, if you don't hear it here, Check your inbox because I'm gonna I'm gonna respond to you. This one's from Christopher, JC Real Muto or Yadier Molina for this week in light of Real Muto's uncertain injury situation. Yeah, uh, I am going to say uh, it, it seemed that they're talking about Real Muto potentially being back Monday, and I he's so high end over everyone else, including Molina. I, I think I'd go with I think I'd go with uh, Real Muto. I think the answer will be made for you, and I would pay attention to the lineups that come out on Monday. But again, I believe the Phillies play at around six p.m. Eastern time, so just keep that in mind. If you see the lineup and JT Real Muto is in it, then I would get him in your fantasy lineups. But if not, if he's even missing the first game of the week, then I think it's there's too much risk. I don't want to take a zero again. I would go with Yadier Molina there. These are from Andrew. He has a few questions. I have Josh Hader, and my opponent has three closers. Who should I pick up out of Rafael Montero, Daniel Hudson, Daniel Bard, and or Williams? I assume that's Devin Williams because he wrote the Brewers have a lot of games, and he's next up. So Montero, Hudson, Bard, and Williams. This is I assume this is a points league scenario, and he's just... Because uh, it's if he if he... Needs saves specifically, he wouldn't be including Williams in that group, right? Uh, so I, I, I would say Rafael Montero. I think that makes a lot of sense. And let's see here. It's a head to head categories league. I mean, if you don't need saves, <laughs> Devin Williams, I, I don't think, I don't think Devin Williams is going to get you a single save right, this right, week, right. but he, he might get you nine or 10 strikeouts with the Brewers playing eight games. And, uh, you know, with a better ERA and whip than a starting pitcher would. Yeah, I think if you just want to match your opponent and also have three closers, then I would go to Rafael Montero and then probably Daniel Hudson ahead of Daniel Bard, right, Scott? Yeah, though, so I'm Daniel Hudson has like five blown saves this year. Oh, <laughs> I mean, he's been anything but locked down, that's for sure. It's right. Just, I don't think I don't, they have anybody else that they could go to. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. Well, they do, but I don't think I I don't there there's no rumblings of them making a change there. His second question with the Brewers having as many games as they do, Ryan Braun is hot. Is he worth the ad, Scott? Uh, actually, yes. He's among my top ten sleeper hitters for this week, and I'm also writing about him 
in waiver wire tonight. So sure. Uh, he also asked about Anthony Rizzo. He was dropped. He's he asked if Anthony Rizzo is worth the ad. So who would you rather have for just the final weeks? Got Ryan Braun or Anthony Rizzo? Well, I haven't looked at how Rizzo's done. He's very been, recently. He's been dreadful. I looked at his numbers before. It's like the final two weeks. I think he was batting under two hundred. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think Braun, but the the fact I even have to hesitate tells you, I mean, partly it's because the Cubs have good matchups, and partly it's because <laughs> I still think Anthony Rizzo's good. And, you know, if it was a rest of the season consideration, it wouldn't even be a conversation. I'd go Rizzo, but it's not. So I'll go Braun. How much do you trust Dustin May has two starts against Oakland and against the Angels? Kevin Gosman at home against the Rockies and then Jordan Montgomery at the Blue Jays. Do not mess with Jordan Montgomery. He's been very inconsistent and mostly bad this season. So um, how much do you trust Dustin May in a two-star week and Kevin Gosman? I trust Dustin May a lot in a two-star week and Kevin Gosman, I gave him a six right on the start meter So that's, you know, that's not a bad start, obviously. This one's from Kyle. Rank these three for the final week. Jack Flaherty. He faces Milwaukee. We talked about that. Sonny Gray is fresh off the IL on Tuesday, and he'll go up against the Brewers. Will he be on a reduced pitch count, Kyle asks about. And uh, he might be a two-star pitcher as well. Again, that is Sonny Gray. And then Lazardo, who is scheduled to pitch on Saturday. And he brought this up. I didn't think about this as a possibility, Scott, but is there a chance that Oakland rests Jesus Lazardo to have him ready for the playoffs? So where would they want him in their playoff rotation? Would they want him? They might want him first, right? I mean, Frankie Montas has been bad. That's, yeah, I didn't think about that one. I considered it, like, in in theory, Garrett Cole, Shane Bieber are scheduled to make two starts this week. I don't think either of them make two starts because the AL, the AL playoff start, Tuesday, the NL one start Wednesday, so that makes it a little easier for NL teams to, uh, you know, start their some of their best pitchers late in the week. But I don't know why an AL team would do that. Uh, Frombert Valdez, I kind of worry about him making a second start for the same reason. Adam Wainwright, to a degree, that that's an NL team, like I said. But yeah, Luzardo, that's a good point. That's uh, if you want to play it super safe, it might make sense to sit him. So that kind of answers. Well, I'd rank them Flaherty, Gray, and Luzardo based on that. This one's from Tim, a 2014 points keeper league, very similar to Scott's favorite league, Scott's dynasty league, of course, and need to decide between Will Myers, who has, he wrote five games, but I believe they now have six games, right, Scott, the Padres? They have six games now, yeah. Okay, Will Myers for six or Anthony Rizzo for seven? <laughs> Man, I don't like these Rizzo questions. <laughs> I will go. Uh, I, I, I think I'm going to go Rizzo there, actually. Uh, you don't like it? Nah, man. Will Myers is hot. Then. I, I, it's too tough. I think Will Myers had a sweet and savory on Sunday. Oh, boy. <laughs> all right, let's do Myers then. Yeah. That's all we needed to mention. Blake Trinan has six games, and Tyler Duffy has... Five again. It's a 2014 points league, so it's pretty deep here. But uh, Trinan or Tyler Duffy? I would go with Tyler. I would go with Tyler Duffy. Yeah, I think he's just better overall pitcher. Yeah. This one's from John. Now that he is off the IL, should I start Eric Hosmer over one of Christian Walker, Kevin Pillar, Ian Happ, or Dom Smith? My other outfielders are Bryce Harper and Juan Soto. This is a 10-team, head-to-head, NL-only points league. I will say, watch the lineups for Monday and make sure that Bryce Harper is in there because this question might answer itself if it comes out that Bryce Harper is going to miss a few days. So keep that in mind. But without knowing that, Scott, uh, would you start Eric Hosmer over any of Walker, Pilar, Hap, or Dom Smith? I'd start him over Pilar. For what it's worth, that's the only one of those that I'd start Hosmer over. This one's from Fernando. I have two players going through serious slumps 
Fernando Tatis and Jose Altuve. I am considering dropping Altuve for a hot hitter and benching Tatis until he gets a hit. Do not bench Fernando Tatis. This is the final week of the season. You want to leave him in your lineup, but would you consider dropping Jose Altuve for the final week, Scott? I would. I mean, considering you got to consider what else is out there. Uh, I think at this point, I'd start like a Chris Taylor who's available in half of half of all leagues over over Jose Altuve. I, I was actually looking in Tout Wars for somebody I could maybe start over Jose Altuve in that 15-team Roto League. And, you know, that being as deep a league as it is, it's just not it's just not any good options out there. But if if it's shallower and you Taylor's a good example, somebody you could pick up to maybe replace him. This was from Kevin. I need four in a head-to-head points league. Patrick Corbin against the Mets. Corbin Burns against the Cardinals. Kenta Maeda against the Tigers. Brady Singer for two. Chris Bassett against the Mariners. Rich Hill against the Reds. Tony Gonsolin against the Angels. So Corbin Burns had an oh-my-goodness-gracious start this weekend, too. Oh, my good goodness gracious! Uh... He actually leads the majors with a 179 FIP. And his ex-FIP, I think, is a little below three. So, you know, obviously that's that has less room to... You're not going to see the extremes in ex-FIP that you're going to see in FIP. I think that's right. I might have to think about that. Maybe, maybe we should scratch that. I don't know for sure. But anyway, Corbin Burns is a must. He's probably in the Cy Young race now. Uh, Singer with those two starts, I'd say, is a must. Maeda, of course, is a must. So really, it comes down to the others. Don't like Patrick Corbin this week. Do like Rich Hill. Yeah, I think Rich Hill's the fourth one. So Burns, Maeda, Singer, and Hill. This one's from Augie. I need some help on some two-star pitchers. Who should I start next week? My options are Dylan Bundy, Kyle Gibson, Brady Singer, Nathan Avaldi, Mike Miner, and John Lester. I think the only ones you're really starting there are Bundy and Singer, right, Scott? Yep. Monday to stream or not to stream, we'll just end with this, Scott. The must-starts that I have, Dylan Bundy going up against the Rangers, Zach Wheeler at the Nationals, Aaron Savale versus the White Sox. Is that a must-start? Maybe a little shy of it, but close enough. Luis Castillo versus the Brewers, Brandon Woodruff at the Reds. Is that a must-start? Probably, probably. Uh, And then Jacob deGrom versus the Rays. How about Dane Dunning at Cleveland? Yes, and by the way, he was added to the two-star pitcher list. It looks like it looked like he was going to be a two-star pitcher for this past week, but something happened, and now he's a two-star pitcher for the final week. Adam Wainwright at the Royals. You know my answer. Yeah, I, I feel pretty good about that. Must start Wayno. Lance McCullers at the Mariners. Feel good about that. Marco Gonzalez on the other side against the Astros. I think that's a yes for me too. Ramon Marquez at the Giants with no Yastrzemski. Well, yeah, Marquez on the road. That's always a good thing. Johnny Cueto on the other side versus the Rockies in Oracle. I don't really trust him. I mean, he's capable of delivering a good start, particularly with that matchup, but I'd rather not. Kyle Gibson at the Angels. No. Anibal Sanchez versus the Phillies. No. John Lester at the Pirates. It could turn out okay, but I'd rather not risk it. JT Brubaker versus the Cubs. Come on, man. Trevor Rogers at the Braves? No. Uh, Waskar Inoa? I think I'm saying that. Yeah, on the Braves. He is going yeah. up against the Mariners, uh, the Marlins. Uh, no. And then Carlos Her- Hernandez against the Cardinals. Nope. All righty. Good luck, everybody. The championship week is... Here. He is Scott White. I am Frank Stample. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today on our YouTube channel. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. <laughs>
They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework.